This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. I'm Hagar Osri, a qualified chef with 20 years experience in the health food industry. Over the next half hour, we'll discuss how to eat in a way that is healthy for you and the planet. Interviews, featured recipes, cafe reviews, food politics, your questions and more. Welcome to Sustainable Gastronomy. This program is brought to you with the help of a DCC Waste Minimization Grant, supporting love food, hate waste. Hello and welcome again to our show um, Sustainable Gastronomy here in Dunedin. Um, today I have uh, Michelle Cox with me again. Hello, Michelle. Good morning again. <laughs> <laughs> We are pre-recording these shows. So, um, uh, yeah, we last time we talked about what is soil. And this in this talk, we're going to talk about how to look after your soil and what not to do. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Great. All um, in 20 minutes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Michelle is running a business called Organics Unearthed here in Dunedin, and she's a super specialist, our very own soil doctor in organic gardening. Um, to also mention, Michelle, I forgot to mention it last time, that if people are walking through Polytech, they can see some of your good work in the edible garden there. Is that how you call it? Or living campus? Yeah, in the living campus, that's right. Yeah. And so that was a project from some 12 years ago. Wow. And it's looking beautiful now, far out. Very mature. Yes, lots of beautiful fruit trees. They'll be in flower now, mm, I imagine. That's time right. To, beautiful time, time look, of the yeah. year. Yeah, so if you're um, around, um, uh, what's the street called? I can't, well, Otago uh, Polity. Harbour Terrace in um, Dunedin, then go and have a look through um, Politic and you could see gardens and fruit trees right in the campus there. Okay, so um, we're also going to mention today at the end of the show, we're going to mention some workshops that Michelle is running. So hold tight and listen to the whole show and you get some treats at the end. <laughs> right, so... Well, yeah, go. <laughs> Can we begin with the polytech? Yeah, that was an interesting soil. So mm. when we when we think about um, the health of the soil, we can't always begin planting if our soil is in a poor state. We need to build up that soil. So I'll quickly just mention what we did at the polytechnic. So Great. we started off by trying to do, I guess, what a conventional approach to gardening is, and that's turn over the soil and start you know, weed it and then start planting. And what we found was that we didn't have soil at all. We had fill. Fill is fill. Mm. So <laughs> it might might um, be the case with a few of the listeners. So you've got, you know, leftover bits of brick and gravel and lots of clay. And we actually got pickaxes out and the staff joined a working bee and there we were hacking away at this rock, basically. Mm. And... Pretty quickly dawned on me that we weren't going to produce any food doing that and this was not the approach. So what we did was a no-dig approach. So if people wanted to have a look at um, some lovely work by Esther Dean, this from many years ago. She was one of the early promoters of this approach and you're basically doing a shallow compost. So you're layering your organic materials like hay, straw, cardboard, seaweed, animal manure, you, 
you know, choose mm. whatever organic matter you like, really put the rich stuff at the bottom and you build up till you have a mature compost layer on top and that's what you plant into. So this is what we did through many areas of the polytechnic gardens where the soil was so damaged um, and it didn't take long. You know, a season we were harvesting beautiful broccoli, we were getting worms, we had tall sunflowers. Um, So you can turn around the state of your soil very quickly. So don't throw your hands up and say, oh, it's no good. You know, bad luck. We we'll spend a lot of money on compost to yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, that's a great example if you want to see what's possible on very poor soil. Well, actually, mm. what I would call dirt. There, there was no life, <laughs> so you could actually refer to that as dirt. Um, yeah, so that's a really great method for building up gardens, and I've used that at home and with other clients where it's appropriate. Yeah. Um, and you just keep feeding that, so you keep layering that material in. Um, Even after you're planted? Yeah, yeah, mm. so between harvests, when you're going to replant, ah. the opportunity you would add more organic material to your bed is built up because it'll um, decompose quite quickly and you'll find that the, bed, the level of the bed drops quite quickly. If you've got a healthy soil life, they're going to devour that material and turn ah. it into a humus. So you'll see it dropping down in volume. Mm. but it creates this wonderful soil and they'll be bringing up particularly the worms um, and little micro-arthropods, the little soil insects, if you like, will be bringing up soil and burrowing and turning it and sort of um, cultivating it for you and building that layer of topsoil by drawing down the organic matter that you've put on and bringing up that clay and stirring it and mixing it so you get a deeper and deeper soil and you don't have to do anything but feed it from the top. So that's, that's one method, mm. yeah, which mm. is really, and I've had wonderful crops out of those no-dig systems and you can have, you know, a lawn or a weedy patch in the morning and by the afternoon you've got a garden planted yeah. up. With not much so, um, effort. I mean, to, to actually yeah. dig a garden is such hard work, Bre- bad, um, you know, back-breaking work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and, and very destructive. So mm. when we talked earlier about the microbes in the soil, the larger ones, mm. and so the microbes and the worms get destroyed. So if you're going to cultivate mechanically, say with a rotary hoe, mm. you're going to chop up those worms mm. and you're going to slice up all those networks of fungi that are laced together and a lot of them will die. So you've immediately lost your support system for your plants. So if it's a one-off, yes, you may want to rotary hoe. If you want a big area started and you have the opportunity, yes, but you need to heal it by adding in good compost alive with microbes that can restore that soil. How long the would it take for the um, the networks to, to rebuild themselves? Well, in their terms, they travel pretty fast. Mm. They grow quickly. Um, I was just reading, as I do before bed, I read books about soil microbes. I was just reading <laughs> last night about the growing tips of fungi. Um, have a, a pressure, they can exert a pressure on the soil of 1,200 PSI so if you think of your tyre, yeah. which is about 37, yeah. something like that. So massive wow. pressure in the soil. So if you think, so another comparison is a punch, if someone strong 
Yeah. And let it, you know, gave a punch with the arm. That's mm-hmm. about 200 psi. So it was wow. 1,200. So massive pressure. So they can push through rock and they can travel through the soil if you permit them to. Mm-hmm. The way, so it might take a few months for them to build back up if you only disturb it the one time. If mm-hmm. you continually disturb it, mm-hmm. you're smashing up their bodies, basically, and their habitat. So... They'll just go somewhere else or die. Yeah, well, they'll die. Mm. Yeah, And you might get a flush often after cultivating like that or um, plowing a paddock, you get a flush of growth because all that material you kill Mm. is food for Uh, your plants. uh, So you get this growth and you think, wow, that worked really well, I'm going to do that again. But that was a oncer, you know. Mm. So every time we disturb our soil to that level, it goes into decline. So yes, we can repair it. We can add in, say, liquid fertilizer, so or a brew. So I I just tend to use um, worm. So this is where we come back to the worm farming idea. So we're not in a worm farm. We've got a receptacle for the worms. It's usually a bin system. We feed them our food scraps. They like rich foods. Yeah. Usually they're tiger worms or red wrigglers, and they they like a, a rich diet. So we feed them our food scraps and they produce poop and then the rain or watering comes through that poop and produces liquid. So we've yeah. got a solid and a liquid product. It's the liquid that I use for this purpose. Mm-hmm. So planting I'll use the solid material but for enhancing the soil and providing that biology, mm-hmm. your liquid is full of these mm-hmm. um, bacteria, fungi, protozoa, you're going to inoculate your soil. So this is what you might do after rotary hoeing is give it a really good watering with your worm tea mm-hmm. and then begin gardening in that. Um, the only time that I dig is uh, to extract cooch. <laughs> so we've been blessed <laughs> with cooch. We have amazing soil, mm-hmm. but you know areas of cooch, so I tend to use uh, black tarpaulin, yeah. uh, black plastic polythene, and use that for six or eight months and it will kill most of the cooch. So the cooch can't survive because it can't photosynthesize. For those who don't know, that's a type of grass that has yeah, very so deep roots. Yeah, so if you've got mm. a grass which has a strong white root that mm. travels underground and mm. grows everywhere mm. and pops up, it's, that is cooch. Or mm. witchgrass witch or twitch if you're in Canterbury. Um, or Kaikuya so or something like that in the North Kaku, Island? that's the North oh. Island and a much heftier mm, yeah. <laughs> little challenge to We've deal with. We've got the so, hardy. Yeah, so the cooch, so in any perennial weeds, you just use black plastic. I'm not a fan of plastic, but in this situation, I think it's much better for your soil. It's temporary, but over six, eight months, it will kill those weeds. You peel it off, and then you might have a garden fork, and you lift the odd bit of cooch or roots out that are left, and you don't cultivate. So you're not going to cultivate. You might just use a little hoe Mm. and draw a line in that soil where you're going to sow your peas or your Mm. carrots or your beans. Mm. And the roots can push through the soil. You know, as long as it hasn't been squashed and compacted and compressed down like a brick, Mm. your plants, uh, this is what seeds do. They drop on ground under the parent plant or, you know, find... They land, if they're lucky, on a nice little warm bare patch, tiny little patch in the sun, and they grow. They don't need us to cultivate the soil to get them to grow. So when you're gardening, you're imitating nature. Yeah, exactly, Mm -hmm. and trusting, Mm -hmm. 
you know, mm-hmm. that that works. So maybe experiment, you know, if you're not sure that what I'm saying is true, experiment, do a wee corner mm. and test these ideas out. So that would be the only time I cultivate would be a, a first off, say, to turn pasture or lawn into a garden. But you can avoid that by doing the no-dig system that I talked about. So you have a choice there. But if you've got perennials, that's the best way I've found getting rid of them without harming your soil mm. because the soil still seems to be able to breathe. There are plenty of worms under there when you take the tarpaulin off. Mm. Um, what about disease? How do we um, not kill the biome or the uh, microorganisms and the worms and the creatures in the soil, but your plants are sick? What do you do then? Well, you probably need to look at building up their health. So if it's early stages or a young plant or a young tree, you need to use your um, identification, work out what it is. Mm. Is it a pest? Is it a disease? Because often, you know, you might go to a store and say, oh, my plants are going yellow, and someone might help you and say, oh, that might, you have to have a medicide, take it home. Your problem might have been a lack of nitrogen, you know, that causes yeah. yellowing in plants. So the first thing is to identify very carefully and precisely what it is that the problem is, so mm. observation again, and then working out, you know, some plants go through a cycle where they have sappy growth in spring that attracts aphids. Once they're in full growth, the aphids disappear and you've got a healthy plant. So sometimes it's seasonal and it doesn't actually affect your plant health overall or your productivity at all. So we don't need to panic, you know, mm. when we see a little creature that, you know, we might feel shouldn't be in our garden, they all belong. Mm. It's whether there's a threshold that they've gone over and whether it's really debilitating your plant or potentially debilitating it. Um, so if you do think you need to apply something, have a look at natural products which are very specific to your pest or disease. Um, so, for example, if you had mildew, you can use milk, just a, a whole milk-based um, fungicide, mm. and you mix it with some water and apply it to the leaf, and it will get rid of that fungal problem without damaging your soil. Yeah. The other thing, of course, is to go right back to the soil and say, ah, what's going on here, and have a dig, have mm. a look. Have you got worms? Is it dark, rich soil? What is lacking? Um, and build up your soil health. So you might forego those six broccoli plants you put in the ground because you think, ah, oh, the soil doesn't actually look that healthy. So I'm going to plant over there because mm. I can see that soil is good. And in the meantime, I'm going to build up this soil for mm. next crop. Mm. Because sometimes the plants are telling you, this was a bad spot. Yeah, not for me. I can't do anything yeah. with this material you've given me, lady. <laughs> 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 what were you thinking? You know, I can't grow here. Yeah. So take that on board rather than throwing sacks of fertilizer at it and, you know, chemicals because, yeah, you need to look at an appropriate spot for that particular plant and it comes back always to soil health. So using your worm tea, using homemade compost or organically certified compost because they are full of life. If you buy a non-certified product, it's probably been heat treated or chemically treated to kill um, pests and diseases, but it will have killed everything. Mm. So, so in, you've got to in, be um, sterile. 
Yeah, in our soil you have um, good guys and bad guys like you were talking about in our first conversation. How do you mm. encourage the good guys? So we need to feed them. So that means, um, so when I talked earlier about that symbiotic relationship, your beneficials need energy and they gain that from the sugars from your plants. So if mm. you take away plants and you have bare ground, mm. The kitchen's closed. There's no food mm. for those microbes. So they will diminish and die. And then when you plant back in there, you have got a void. There are no good team. There's no good team in there and you'll get pests and disease. So the key is keeping a living root system in your soil all the time if you can. So it means growing perennials. Mm. So having plants that have a long life and then you grow your annuals close to them. So you've mm. always got that ability of those little microbes to come out around your annual crops or growing in succession where you might take out the odd cabbage and as you take the cabbages out you're going to plant some onions. So you've always got roots growing in the ground Mm. and when you finish a harvest, save the cabbage again, cut it off at soil level and leave the root, the rot, down into the ground Ah. because those creatures are living there, that's Ah. their home. So as soon as we think, oh, I'll pull that out and put that in the compost, yes, that's good for the compost, but you've just pulled out a whole row of hotels yeah. full of, you know, people living in them. Because so sometimes you know, I get need... a bit OCD and I, I feel like I'm cleaning out, you know, I'm cleaning yes. my garden, getting a bit yeah. tidy. Yeah. And there's a certain satisfaction in that and sometimes I have two conversations going on, you know, <laughs> It's like, oh, I'll go and do this and that'll be tidy. And then I say, hang on a minute. Yeah. Why are you digging that out? Mm. You know, this is a beneficial, like, clover around fruit trees, mm. wonderful plant, brings nitrogen, fixes nitrogen from the air. And all those roots, when the plant dies back in mm. winter, all those roots feed the soil and provide channels for water to move mm. and other roots next season to grow down through. Right. You know, they're like little roads that someone's already built and you can come along the next year and drive your car along them. You know, imagine if we destroyed our roads every year. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> so we're leaving all these little pathways when we mm. leave roots. So, yeah, it is letting go of that tidiness, you know, mm. when we see our urban, um, you know, council-managed gardens. They're very tidy. They're very clean, mm. but clean isn't necessarily healthy. So yeah. what we're trying to do is allow biodiversity, allow plants to go through their whole cycle. Letting plants self-sow is really good for the soil because you're leaving the parent plant to feed and compost back into the soil where your new plants will come up. Mm. And I don't plant silver beet anymore. It self-sows and yeah. it's the healthiest silver beet. You know, Other things you can do is green manure. So putting in crops on purpose to feed the soil so they're not for us to eat or animals need mm. to go back into the soil so things like the legumes peas beans clovers um your grasses like oats rye they're very good root system to develop healthy soil mm. um other things like buckwheat so some things that we have is crop buckwheat um phacelia. many of them have beautiful flowers that support mm diverse insects above mm. ground. So and when the crop is done, it. it's... Yep, yep. Yeah. So you just chop it. You can choose when it's green to chop mm. it and it's nice and lush and it will just lay it on the ground, let it drop yeah. and it will rot back into the ground or if you want to build your soil volume up and add carbon, we let that crop go 
go to maturity mm. and it goes brown and dry and then we cut it and again leave it on the ground to so rot. it's no in. dig, you don't actually dig it or chop no, it on the ground, you just no. chop it yeah. And you can plant the... through that. So I've planted broad beans through material like that, yeah. broccoli, you know, big seeds, seedlings yeah. go straight into that ground. Right, great. So yeah. really thinking key things, minimising disturbance, maximising roots, living roots, and adding organic matter, those are really key and if you think you've got, you know, ground zero, <laughs> really, yeah. really poor soil, yes, introduce some microbes. And you can buy EM, which is effective microorganisms. You know, you can buy products um, online or in shops, but mm. your worm tea or a compost tea, where you just make like a tea bag, but a big one, mm. and a bucket of water from your own compost, and then pull that tea bag out, and you've got this lovely dark brown liquid that full of microbes as well for your soil. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's yeah. really great information. Is there um, good websites or books to, to borrow out from the library to look at and, and read on? Um, I would look, well, it depends on the detail you want to get into. Mm. Um, probably the teaming with microbes is a great place to start because Jeff Lowenfeld, I think his name is, mm-hmm. is at the library, um, that explains who's in the soil, what they do, and then he looks at gardening techniques to maximise their well-being and therefore your your Mm. crops. Yeah, so that's a good... And, you know, lots of um, new publications on organic growing, natural growing, permaculture refer deeply now to these um, characteristics of the soil Mm. and how to build soil. So older books... Not so much unless you go back pre-1950s, pre-the Green Revolution. Yeah. There's a lot of old books. That's right. Great. There's the yeah, One so Straw Revolution, which is my old favourite uh, book. Oh. oh, fantastic. And mm. that was Fukuoka's gift, was observation. Mm. You know, and and that's where his whole world, because no he was trained as an agriculturalist, and mm. it changed his view entirely by watching what nature did and mimicking Mm. That was huge success. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, shall we talk a little bit about your upcoming workshops? We've got four minutes again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like the last talk. Yeah, so yeah. Okay. Mm. So um, probably the most pertinent one for your soil health is the composting workshop, and we've got probably two of those coming up supported by the DCC, and they're a four-hour afternoon workshop covering composting and worm farming in Bukashi uh, food fermentation systems. So three methods of turning food waste and garden waste into this wonderful resource for your garden. So we'd cover some theory, background of, you know, how do we compost, why do we want to do do this for our garden, so some of what we've talked about in the last hour. Mm. Um, And then looking at, you know, what's going on in your garden, successes you've had, what's, you know, so good discussion time, so an opportunity for people to bring their own questions about what they've been seeing happening with their compost and and then talking about issues they might have. Then we go out and build a heap together and that's the thing that most people value is Mm, hands-on. So we get to do that. The hands-on, great. Yeah, and then then we do worm farming in the Bukashi system, uh, which gives very good products for your soil as well. Uh, and then the other workshops will be on organic greenhouse growing, which will be held out at 
McKendry Bay. And again, we cover some theory about, you know, why you'd want to build a certain type of structure and clad it with glass or mm. plastic yeah. so people can work out what's best for their situation. And then we look at the beautiful 20-metre-long greenhouse that Annalise has on her property and she'll talk about microgreens and how we manage pests and diseases in a greenhouse, wow, uh, um, irrigation, you know, how mm. really how to do it, mm. small or large scale. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's a very popular workshop nice. that we've run together. Great. Thank you so much um, for talking to me. And um, Michelle's um, website, if anybody wanted to have a, a further look, is organicsunearthed.co.nz. Uh, Michelle Cox is based in Dunedin for those who are listening online. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you. Fabulous to talk to you. Thank you for letting me read. <laughs> such a wealth of information. It's just amazing. Um, yeah, go well in these funny times. And gardening really keeps us sane, doesn't it? So it's uh, good work for yeah. everyone. Hands, hands in the soil. Mm. So important. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And talk again soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.